Welcome to the Everyday Discipleship Podcast. Today I have with us Mr. Forrest White. Um, Forrest is a well-known friend um, at First Lakeland here, and I'm really excited to talk to you today all about your missions and your mission ministries. Forrest is the director of mission ministries here at um, the First United Methodist Church in Lakeland. And to get to know more about you and hear some awesome stories and talk about um, everyday discipleship um, from your lens. So thank you so much for being here with us today um, on the podcast. I want to first start off by asking you to share with us a little bit about you um, and how you came to find um, First Lakeland. Okay. Well, I'm glad to be here and appreciate the chance to talk about calling and everyday discipleship. So I came to First Lakeland after having served in 20, for 20 years in the Virginia Conference, uh, first at the local church level, but also some on the district level and then the conference level. I was actually uh, an interim director of mission ministries at a Baptist church uh, when uh, in December of 2017, Pam Carter, who was the person in this role before uh, I came, she messaged me on Facebook one night and said she was getting ready to move to another role and wanted to recommend me for the position. Pam and I had known each other through preparing for disaster uh, in a disaster recovery training that we did together in Georgia. And I said, sure. So um, one thing led to another, and here I am today. I had uh, a lot of experience in, in missions uh, dating back to my time in student ministry. A lot of people at first might not know that I have 23 years of experience in student ministry. And when I was uh, in that area of uh, ministry, I built the ministry around missions and service. We did the other things that youth ministries do, the fun stuff, the worship, uh, student-led worship, Bible study, trips, the fun trips and and whatnot. But we were were centered around serving. Uh, At some times we would have... 65 to 70 local service opportunities a year and as many as six short-term mission trips so out of that i just sort of evolved into mission roles with adults and students and uh, some disaster recovery roles in virginia conference as well as i was volunteers and mission uh, coordinator for the virginia conference for five years so that's a little bit about my church background that got me here first so um but it's been a, a great four years for me so far. And uh, I always tell people, uh, they ask how, how, how I think I'm doing or whatnot. And I always say, well, you have to ask the consumer. You know, I'm, I'm the supplier. But uh, hopefully it's been good for, for the people who are here at first. And, uh, you know, staff parish hadn't let me go yet. So unless you're here to tell me something that, uh, that I need to know. So, um but yeah, that's a bit about my, my church history. Um, you know, I, going back farther than that, I uh, grew up in a Methodist church in a small town. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to a Methodist college. I feel like I was always called to ministry, but sort of ran from it, as many people do. Mm-hmm. I was teaching high school, Sunday school when I was a college student. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a newspaper reporter for 10 years, and while I did that, I was working as a volunteer youth leader and that call was always there, and yeah, finally, I guess I I gave in, and and uh, yeah, my life has has been enriched because of it. I, I 
told people who've asked me before about leaving the newspaper business. I said, you know, my job then was to tell other people's stories, and I wanted to write my own story and mm-hmm. uh, make my own story instead of telling everybody else's. So um, that's that's my church background. So. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we hear a lot about um, – in church, but we don't necessarily all have the opportunity to see is this conversation about the worldwide Methodist church or the global Methodist church in that um, it's not just First Lakeland here on Sundays or even the Florida conference or even in the whole United States, United Methodist Conference, we have churches all across um, the world and unique missions. Um, So can you talk a little bit about the impact of um, mission work within um, the life of our church. Sure. Um, what I always tell people is that healthy mission begins in our daily living and goes outward from there. Mm-hmm. Some people think Jesus said that, that we're uh, called to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Some people hear that wrong and think missions has to be crossing a body of water, crossing a border to truly be missions. Uh, And some people would say, well, why do we have to go there when there's plenty of work to be done here? Um, The answer to that, I think, is is in Jesus's call there. Did not say to be witnesses in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth. It's an and proposition. So, um, we are engaged in, in ministry around the, the world. Uh, we have partnerships with Zoe Ministries, which empowers orphans around the world. We're specifically sending, uh, or we have members who are part of a team going to Kenya this year, or in just a couple of weeks or a week or so to, to go and serve there. We have a sister church in Camagoy, Cuba. Uh, we have a ministry presence in Haiti, which is... Um, you know, difficult for us to go to now because of all the, the turmoil in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, missionaries that we support in Costa Rica, in Japan. Um, we have had a relationship with a church that we helped to, to build in Bulgaria. So we do answer the call to international missions. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, healthy serving for the individual and for the church starts in the daily living. It's not just you know, things that we plan with all of our ministry partners, but looking for chances each day that, that are always placed before us to serve. And that's that's where, you know, we really become servants is when, you know, that's becomes our DNA. We are um, just tuned in for uh, for whatever the opportunities might look like. I mean, Sometimes people ask me the difference between volunteering and serving. Well, volunteering is something that is usually placed on your schedule when there's nothing else there, mm-hmm. and it's usually done when it's convenient. Serving is is a, a matter of the heart. It's you know, looking for reasons to say yes, uh, whether it be something as simple as someone who's struggling to, to carry a heavy load, uh, literally or figuratively, that we encounter today. Or, um, again, just saying yes to, to needs that, that come up and uh, just looking for reasons to, to, to be involved and to, to help. And, and I think that when we do that, we show that people are valued. Um, 
God's message to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ is that each of us is irreplaceable and each of us is invaluable. The world's <laughs> message is you're easily replaced and you, um, you know, someone else can do what you do, mm-hmm. uh, probably even better. Um, so you're you're easily replaced. But that's not God's message, and, and we need to be about living so that people understand that that uh, we are you know trying to to share god's love to help them see that they are of value um, in our eyes but more importantly in god's eyes Mm -hmm. the 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 heart of serving is to show people that they are of value uh, that most importantly they are of value in god's eyes but also as as disciples of christ they are of value in our eyes and should be of value in everyone's eyes um, yeah, the world's message is clear to individuals. You are not that important and you are easily replaced. I can go out and find someone else who can do what you do and maybe someone who can do it even better. But in the life and death and resurrection of Christ, God's message is clear that each of us is invaluable and each of us is irreplaceable. And that's how we should go about our everyday encounters. And um, that's truly what each of us is called to do as disciples of Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how does that thought process that each of us um, is irreplaceable, how does that inform um, mission decisions? So if the church is deciding we want to do this many mission trips this year, we have the funds to do these types of trips, how do you make that decision in terms of where we're going to go, what kind of work we're going to do there in those places? Sure. Uh, really, to answer that question, I should say that FIRST has a, a really great um, just process in place to, uh, to decide who gets financial support from the church. It's called our Outreach Funding Committee, and they meet in the summertime a couple of times and they assign each member two to three of our ministry partners, and those individual committee members go out and they will um, interview people involved in the ministry, the leadership, and they'll ask for, you know, I guess uh, some, some financial documentation of how money is used and how the, the ministry is structured. And then they'll come back and, and have a big discussion about what level of commitment we give them you know, for the coming year. Now, it, tying back to your specific question, I'm a big believer that if we're supporting something financially, we should be supporting it with our hands and our feet and our human resources as well. Mm-hmm. So what I was really working toward before the pandemic was that whole idea of, of how can we get first members out and connect them with the partners. And we're moving back in that direction. One great example is We've been supporting the Dream Center of Lakeland for a few years now. Now we're a part of their Engage Lakeland ministry where we have actually uh, gone into a neighborhood off Brunel Parkway and just started building relationships. Uh, Anytime you go and do something like that, you've got to go with the mindset of mutuality. We are not going into that neighborhood thinking we only have something to give. We're going in there knowing that we have something to receive as well. And while we might go in there hoping and praying that God will speak through us, we need to go in there believing that God will speak to us as well. I mean, uh, so many of the short-term mission experiences, just day-to-day mission experiences that I've had, 
in my life. You go and you think you know why you're going. It turns out that God had something totally different in plan in His plans, or that uh, maybe the whole reason we were sent was so that we could hear something or we could could hear God speak to us in a certain way. So that's one example of, of a new sort of ministry that's that's uh, growing here at first. One question um, that I wanted to ask you is if you could tell us about um, a favorite trip or maybe a recent trip or something or a moment that just kind of stuck with you, um, if you would share um, something like that with us. I think it's an illustration for me of how God works when we are intentional about serving. So in April of 2006, I was still in student ministry back in Virginia. I was driving my son Austin to baseball practice on the west end of town. I got a call from the church on my little flip phone back in those days. Suncom, I think it was. It was pre-Verizon. But um, it was a church calling, and they were calling to tell me that Mary Elizabeth Brooks, a former youth, had uh, gone to MCV Hospital in downtown Richmond and been diagnosed with leukemia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary Elizabeth had been just a key component of that youth ministry when I went up there in uh, 1998. She did everything that a youth could do in youth ministry role. I mean, anything that this church would have for youth or any church would have, she was at the heart of it. And she had stayed connected with us through her time at Virginia Commonwealth University and even as an adult leader on some short-term missions as she began her career as a a teacher in the uh, school system there in Richmond. But over the course of the summer of 2006, it became apparent that the doctors had caught her leukemia at too far of an advanced mm. stage. There was really nothing they could do. Couldn't even stabilize her to get her on the bone marrow registry for potential transplant that could have saved her life. So in late August of 2006, uh, the doctors had that you know, awful conversation with Mary Elizabeth and her parents that she only had a little bit of time left. So the Brooks family was spending all their time at Mary Elizabeth's bedside as any of us would do. So I just offered to cut their grass. Mm-hmm. And there cannot be any more simple an act of service than cutting someone's mm-hmm. grass. I mean, you know, you start the mower, you push it around, it's pretty much it. So uh, on September 11th of 2006, I picked up my son from school and we went over there. I got out their lawnmower, they let their yard go as any of us would with a terminally ill mm-hmm. child. And I just, you know, cut their grass. And while I was cutting their grass, God spoke to me. I don't know how many times God has spoken to me and I didn't hear it, but clearly God spoke that day and said, build a Habitat for Humanity house in memory of Mary Elizabeth or for Mary Elizabeth. I don't, I think it was just more of that. So when you believe that God's spoken to you like that, you don't keep it to yourself. Mm -hmm. So I finished the grass, went home, took a shower and uh, went straight to MCV, talked to, to her parents, uh, Herb and Joanne, told them what I believe God had, had uh, put on my heart, and they thought it was a great idea. So later that night, in a private moment, they shared with me and Elizabeth what we were going to do. Um, 36 hours later, in the early morning hours of September 13th of 2006, I got another call. I knew the number calling me at that hour would be them t- calling to tell me that her body had died, and that's what it was. Um, 
But we went on to raise $65,000 and we built a Habitat for Humanity house in her memory. We tithed for a house overseas. And I used that as a story to illustrate. If nothing had come of that other than me cutting the grass, it would have shown them that they were valued and that, you know, someone cared enough to take care of something that was important to them Mm -hmm. while they were dealing with something much more important. Mm But when we're intentional about doing small things, they might not always be small. Sometimes God will reveal something much bigger to us. So that was a real um, just huge moment in my life, uh, a moment that undeniably God spoke to me. And uh, like I said, sometimes I wonder how many times God has spoken and I somehow missed it. But, But that was a time that I did not miss it. And that was a time where I didn't need to do anything but just go a few streets over from where I lived in Richmond to to serve. There was no great travel distance or mm-hmm. you know passports and fifteen passenger vans. It was just uh, drive over there, get out the lawnmower, and go to work. Mm-hmm. So um, that kind of ties into my last question for you um, in talking, thinking about those everyday little things. What does everyday discipleship mean to you? I just, you know, I'm just a big believer in, you know, trying to live out your life. You know, Thomas Merton said that our job is to love people without inquiring about whether or not they are worthy. Mm -hmm. One of the great things about being a disciple of Christ, but working specifically in the area of missions and services, I've never once knocked on somebody's door that had been, you know, of a house that had been damaged by a storm or uh, some gone to someone who was hungry and needed to be fed or someone who was in prison and needed to be ministered to and said, you know, what's your sexuality? You know, what's your race? Mm -hmm. What's your this or that? Because none of those things matter. That's a human. That's a child of God. They may not fully acknowledge it or fully realize it, but that's who they are. Mm-hmm. And and in seeking to live out that daily calling, again, I just think that it's so important to keep your eyes open for chances to serve, but live in such a way. I just sent my, my son a 27th birthday. He turns 27. I have two daughters as well. I've only mentioned my son, but uh, I love all my kids. And uh, yeah, I just sent him. He turns 27 on Sunday. In, in a note and just said, you know, I believe in you. I value you. I'm proud of you. And I believe that's that's what we should should do or try to do with all the people we encounter mm-hmm. to show them that, that we value them. And, and that, as I said earlier, that uh, more importantly, God values them. Mm-hmm. And, and each of them has something to offer us and we may have something to offer them as well. One thing that I always try to tell people here is that. We're in a season of Pentecost, at least when this is being filmed. And because of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, the person who's sitting on the back row of the sanctuary is as capable of changing the world as the people who get in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. The church, I think, does itself a real disservice when um, it sets up the, the ordained ministers or the church staff as the people who, um, you know, have more capabilities or more direct lines with God. You know, people will ask me to pray with them or for them, and I'm always happy to do that, but I kind of always offer a disclaimer that just because I'm on staff of a church doesn't mean my prayers are going to rise above the ceiling mm-hmm. any more effectively or more quickly than theirs do. 
So what we need to, to, to help all the people at first and, and anywhere else understand is, you know, God will work through you. Um, God is with you. God is already at work ahead of you. You don't have to have, you know, I, I believe uh, Dr. King said, you just all you need is is a, a heart full of love and, and grace and, and and whatnot to to go out and and truly change the world. Um, you know, one of my favorite authors, uh, Tim Dearborn, has written a lot about the short term missions, and he says, you know, it's not the um, church that has a mission in the world but it's the God of mission who has a church in the world. So we just need to keep that in mind. You know, God is, is going to work through us and uh, in our lives and through our lives when we let God um, take that proper, proper place. And, and we believe that, uh, you know, that work will happen uh, because of that indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. How can folks get involved with the um, ministry opportunities that you're providing? Well, um, we now have a system in place where we have some event registrations online. Um, I am always here as a resource to help them. And I often tell people, you know, if we're not doing something, you feel called to do something, maybe God's moving you to start a ministry of your own and, and other people would join you in that. So. We have lots of ministry partners, as I said before. I can connect them with them. Sometimes we'll organize groups to go out and serve locally. Um, you know, we have relationships like that with uh, Noah's Ark, which is a ministry partner. Um, you know, and, and Society of St. Andrew, where we go out and glean. I was out gleaning corn yesterday. I was moving food today for Visti. So, so there's all kinds of opportunities out there. We're trying to do a good job of, of publicizing them, but they can always you know, shoot me an email, give me a call, and, and I'll try to point them in the right direction. Well, thank you so much, Forrest. I appreciate your time and f- for sharing with us um, today um, and for your perspective. Um, I think that um, just like you said, um, it is wonderful that we have these global partners like Zoe's Ministries and our partners in Haiti. And certainly those ministries are extremely important in the life of our church, but it's also the little things and just like cutting your neighbor's grass. Um, what are those little things you can do every day to be in service to others? You don't have to have a plane ticket. You don't have to go across the world. If you can, that's amazing. Um, but that's not what you have to do. Um, So I really appreciate that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So so thank you so much. Thank you.